This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the Great Ones. Today is December the 2nd, 2015. This is our ninth episode already, Andrew. I'm basking in the afterglow of witnessing history here in Toronto, so I'm in a pretty good mood today. Uh, Garrett Sparks made his NHL debut a very memorable one, and I was there on Monday night when he shut out the Edmonton Oilers. I think I'll keep that stick ticket stub, a 3-0 victory, and now that gives me a couple of storylines to go through with you right off the hop regarding the goalie situations around the league. But first, can you help me to explain how a team with so many high draft picks is still floundering at the bottom of the standings? That Edmonton Oilers team is a real head-scratcher. Yeah, and it's, you know, they brought in Todd McClone. Uh, you expected a little bit more. Uh, it's It hasn't it hasn't been there. The the defense has not been good at all. Uh, the, at least, they, you know, you can see positive signs. Anders Nilsson is developing into a legit starting NHL goaltender. Uh, so that's good, you know, even though it wasn't the guy they were looking to, uh, you know, as far as the, the fact that they give up a, a raft of draft picks for Cam Talbot. As it turns out, Nilsson has been the guy. But, you know, maybe they should have spent some of those high picks on some defensemen because that's been the real bugaboo is, is two-way defensemen, not just, uh, you know, a guy like Justin Schultz who uh, has not been doing anything. Well, Andrew, let's look at the crop of forwards that they've accumulated. They've won the, they won the draft lottery in four of the last six years, and on top of that, they get Leon Dreisaitl with a third pick overall a couple of years ago. You, you're, you're, I'm hearing a lot of noise about uh, the pundits saying, oh, they should trade one or two of those guys, but, but I, I, I would hesitate to trade, to trade too many of them. 
I see a lot of value in uh, Dreisaitl and, and Hall, for instance, to me, are, are no-brainers to keep on the Edmonton core. And I think maybe you're choosing from Hopkins, Nugent Hopkins, or Eberle in terms of trade bait. You're not going to get anything for Niall Yakupov. And, and interestingly enough, they are finally seeing such development on the blue line with uh, a couple of defensemen of note, and uh, that's Darnell Nurse and Oscar Kleffbaum. So there is some some hope, but right now it's just not gelling for them. And, and I hesitate to blow it up completely, but I'm, I'm going to ask you, which, which one of the forwards do you think that they would trade? My money's on Eberly. I think he's the guy that would fetch the, a nice return and is still playing at some level of quality that can be destri- described as positive. I do like Nurse. I think that he's uh, he's got like a, a high uh, ceiling, and, and that gives the Oilers some long-term appeal on the blue line. But as far as those forwards go, I think actually the likeliest candidate for a trade to me is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, this is a team in Edmonton. I think they need to add some toughness. Nugent Hopkins is a small guy. Uh, he's not. I mean, he's, he's six foot tall, but he's he's a slender guy. He's not very strong on the ice. Uh, I think that this is that's this place where they could find an upgrade where he's kind of an extra part for them. They don't necessarily need uh, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, certainly, it hasn't been the difference between winning and losing to this point, uh, and they could still get, I think, a, a really enormous return for him. Well, I'm kind of hoping hoping that. Uh... My club, the Leafs, makes a play on Jordan Everly. I think he's one of the smartest guys on that roster, and maybe that's been a bit an issue. I think the hockey IQ in Edmonton among some of those players is not quite there. Everly's been dealing with some injury issues that's limited him to 12 games, but I've seen enough of this guy to know that he's got it between the ears, and if they're going to give up on him, I hope that uh, the Leaf general manager and, and company in Toronto make a play for him. So Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely a guy who could benefit from a change of scenery. Yeah. So that's that's the one uh, situation that I looked at this Edmund team. I'll tell you the other night they showed me absolutely nothing in a, in a walk through the first two periods and in the third period they kind of gave it a bit of a shot, but they're mailing it in and and I think the whole idea of losing as much as they have is starting to grate on some of these high end guys and that's maybe the biggest reason of all to break it up because once you get used to using it, it becomes a little too easy and too comfortable unless these changes are made. Andrew, that's where I stand on that issue. Well, that's. That's a perfectly valid perspective, Paul, and, and I support your your right to have it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My my second discussion point, I want to circle back and talk a little bit about the Sparks story in Toronto and the goaltending, the three-headed monster that's now in goal. We saw a headline today that Jonathan Bernier has been dropped down to the uh, Marlies, uh, their AHL affiliate, Esports an 0-8-1 record with a pedestrian 3.28 goals against average and a very unimpressive 8.88 save percentage. 63 NHL goalies have registered a win since Bernier got his last victory in the NHL. So uh, he's totally lacking in confidence right now, Andrew. That $4.15 million cap hit would uh, seem to me uh, to be a bit of an albatross that the Leafs will have to carry because if they try to push this guy through on waivers, waivers for a release... I don't think anybody's going to claim him. Do you think that there's anybody out there that would take a shot at him? Uh, I mean, there are some teams out there that you may, maybe look at Calgary as a team that would want to try to add a guy like Bernier to the mix and, and see if he can be a little bit more productive than the goalies they've got in the fold right now. But yeah, there's no super obvious, uh, no doubt, home run landing spot for Bernier right now, uh, especially with the way that he's been playing, which I, you know really just does come as a big surprise to me. I mean, I know he took a, a pretty big step back last year, uh, certainly saw his numbers fall off from the year before, 
but he was still, you know, a legitimate NHL goalie, and he's just been a, a horror show right now. Uh, I do think better times will come, and they shouldn't necessarily try to sell him for pennies on the dollar, because, you know, this is a guy who was talented enough to be the number 11 overall pick in 2006, who was talented enough for the Leafs to want to get him in the first, you know, from the Kings in the first place, uh, after he started his career very well on the West Coast. So, you know, I think Bernier's got uh, some good things ahead of him in the future, but I'm really happy about Garrett Sparks, as we were talking about before the show. Picked him up in my Dynasty format before he was even up in the uh, NHL. I went and looked at that delicious, delicious AHL save percentage that he's put (laughs) up this year. Uh, 9.38 save mark, uh, 9.36 last year in the ECHL. Uh, I was playing in the uh, the very low minors last season, but just 22 years old, Sparks has uh, come off quickly from from true obscurity, playing for the Orlando Solar Bears, which is a real team that exists. Uh, yeah, they're, and now they're, playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are the Leafs' second tier uh, minor league affiliate. Uh, the main club, of course, is here in Toronto, the Marlies. And uh, he's, he sports a pretty nice record down there, as you implied, with eight wins and a sub-two goals against average. So uh, it wasn't a complete shock for him to deliver a good performance. I was just surprised that he registered the first shutout of a Maple Leaf goalie debut in their 99-year history. And that drew quite a, a hit on, uh, on YouTube with his uh, reaction to that comment on the ice when he was selected the game's first star. That was a, a really nice moment. Uh, there's a lot of other goalie news around the league, Andrew, though, and and another one is in uh, the second capital of hockey in Canada, I'll say, and that's in Montreal, <laughs> where Mike Condon has to, has had to step up for Carey Price, who's going to be lost to the Habs for another six weeks. This guy came back early, I think, from his first knee injury where he missed nine games. Condon uh, took up most of that load, but I thought he, he faltered a little bit in his last six starts. Uh, prior to last night's victory, he was 2-2-2 two, two, and two in those six appearances and giving up three or more goals in five of those contests so there's been some slippage in his game despite the fact he rebounded a little bit last night I don't know that this bodes very well for Montreal over the long term when you add this to the fact that Brendan Gallagher is missing up front are we going to finally see a bit of a drop off here or are they going to continue to do it with mirrors I'm shocked that Montreal's sporting the league's best record uh, at this point with what's gone on in the injury ward yeah, I think we're going to see a bit of a drop-off, but it was nice to see Condon come out and deliver a really nice performance against the Columbus team that had been heating up, uh, playing a lot better in recent days. Uh, they, you know, they came into Montreal, Condon and the Habs, shut them down, picked up the win. Uh, but yeah, we did see, you know, after a, a white-hot start, uh, Condon certainly faded uh, over those last few starts before Price briefly returned. And that's got to be a concern if you're a Habs fan. Uh, that that this 25-year-old who has, you know, all of his NHL experience has come this year uh, t- seems to be exposed with extended playing time. And the astute pool, you would have handcuffed uh, Condon and maybe even Zach Kukali is a guy that we're going to get a look at. A highly regarded minor, uh, a junior prospect. He is well-decorated on the international stage uh, representing Canada. And we're going to get a look-see at this guy who was actually a high draft pick of the Canadians whereas Condon was a was a free agent. So I'm curious to see what Fukali looks like if and when he gets a start, and he will sometime in the next six weeks. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. And maybe he's a grab on the fantasy waiver wire in the next little while too. So uh, there's a little bit of a free advice for anybody who's goalie starved. More goalie news, Andrew, though, out on the left coast. 
in Anaheim, it looks like the the Ducks are uh, slowly riding the ship. Uh, they're eight, four, and three in their last fifteen games, and they called up John Gibson last year, uh, last week, about a week ago. He's gone two, one, and one, and his slate is to start uh, this evening's game. Uh, he's got a nice 1.82 goals against average, including a shutout win over the Canucks this past Monday. And he has a clear inside track over Frederick Anderson, who's out with a bit of an injury, an illness, it seems, uh, that that uh, won't quit on him. So uh, I'm surprised that Gibson started out the year in the in uh, the minors this year, though, because he had a pretty nice cameo last year. And uh, I don't know if you have any insight there. I certainly don't. But I'm I'm pretty glad to see that he's up and getting a shot. And I grabbed him right away on the waiver wire when he came up. Yeah, I think the Ducks were looking to give Gibson a little bit more consistent playing time. They knew they were going to mostly be rolling with Anderson. Uh, you know, now Anderson's been out with this illness. Uh, he was just placed on IR very quietly on Monday, uh, although he is expected to be back uh, this coming Friday, so he'll be back the day after tomorrow, uh, assuming that all goes well and uh, he doesn't forget to take his Z-Pack. <laughs> Well, and one more goalie note that I, I unearthed uh, very recently, and that's looking deep into the numbers, as I'm inclined to do. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky has quietly reeled off an impressive streak of, of nine pretty solid performances, including last night, where he's delivered two goals or less now in eight of them. It looks like he's regained his top form as a member of the elite goalies fraternity. How much credit does he get for the recent turnaround in Columbus, which is now six and five in their last 11 games? I think he deserves some, and, and John Tortorella deserves some for giving the, the Jackets a little bit more defensive structure than they were employing early on in the year when they were just a, an absolute sieve on that blue line. Uh, and, and, you know, just the, the fact that these guys are they're just playing better. They're a little bit of a stronger group right now than they were at the beginning of the year. Bob Rovsky over some of his early struggles there. Uh, you, you knew that he was going to bounce back. Uh, you know, he, he's too good. He's got too much of a track record to all of a sudden just be the train wreck that he was in the first week of the season. Well, one team that's not a train wreck, and you got to be doing cartwheels about this, is your Rangers. But they took a bit of a hit recently with Derek Stepan uh, going out of the lineup. I know you'll have a little bit more to say about that. So I'll, I'll defer to you here on this, uh, this injury a little bit later. But for now, I need to know who steps up and takes his spot in the lineup, and uh, how does that affect the rest of the roster, Andrew? Yeah, it's it's a big loss to the Rangers anytime you lose a guy like Derek Stepan. Unfortunately, this is a team that does have a lot of depth. Uh, they're going to move Oscar Lindbergh off to that second line. Uh, Kevin Hayes uh, maybe going back to center on the third line, uh, although uh, it seems possible to me that ultimately, uh, with, with Stepan missing, set to miss a, a pretty good chunk of time, uh, about four to six weeks, that Hayes could see a good amount of, of top six ice time, uh, which will I think will be nothing but good for him. When you look at the the stats that Hayes has managed to put up, averaging only 13.38 on the ice this year, he still has 15 points in 25 games. Just imagine if he was seeing top six minutes. Exactly. And another guy that they're going to be missing for a little while looks like is Kevin Klein. He's got an oblique injury. And Alan Vigneault said that he'll be out for two to three weeks. So the Rangers are getting dinged up a little bit, just like the Habs are. Maybe those two teams are going to come back to the pack a little bit in the Eastern Conference. Should be a great race over the rest of the year in, in those two divisions because they're very competitive. Um, and part of that reason for that competitiveness, boy, I'm giving myself some good segues here today. <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers have reeled off three straight wins, and I've been pretty excited about the, some of the turnaround because uh, I'm a big Claude Giroux fan. And uh, I think he stepped it up a little bit, scoring a little more regular than he had in the early part of the season. 
and uh, he's the club leader, no question about it at all. He's back up to almost a point-per-game pace, still sporting a minus-7 plus-minus, which is indicative of the frustrations and the struggles that the Flyers have had. I think this is a team that is on the fringe of playoff contention. That's where I pegged them the rest of the season. I don't know that uh, how how much higher they can go to that than that, but uh, I think they have some t- top six players that are really underperforming right now, and uh, we may see a bit of a turnaround in the next little while in support of, of what uh, Giroux is doing there. Absolutely, and you know you see those three straight wins, and it's not like they came against uh, you know the the likes of you know, Edmonton here. They beat the the Predators, the Rangers, and the Senators. Those are all winning teams. Those are all teams with winning records in the in the you know the top three in their divisions. Uh, and the Flyers uh, kind of rolled right over them. They 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 beat Ottawa. You know, it was only four two, but they they beat Ottawa pretty handily in that game uh, last night. It coincides with a <laughs> it coincides with a, a bit of an uptick uptick in uh, the play by Steve Mason. I touted this guy as probably one of the surprise goaltending stories this season. He's disappointed me a little bit with the wins and losses, but the goals against is coming back to a level that I kind of expected in the 2.6, 2.7 range. Uh, I'd like to see him with a bit higher save percentage, and so are the Flyers, I guess. But I think the the defensive side of the puck is, is where some of the best news is being written in Philadelphia, and it's some of the most surprising news to, to boot. So we'll keep an eye on that to see if it continues, Andrew. Beyond that, uh, we're looking at... Uh, we were talking about the underperforming young guns in Edmonton, but on the flip side of that, the the Arizona Coyotes are, I think, shocking the NHL with uh, a winning record at this stage in the season. And they're being led by that uh, trio of rookies that we've been talking about from time to time. But is there anybody else that you want to highlight on the on the Coyotes that that is doing it for you? And I'll I'll uh, come in with uh, a relief pitching effort on that one. Obviously, we've got to talk about the man who's number three in the All Star voting. John Scott. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> if you guys haven't, if you I guys haven't, oh yeah, 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 you guys haven't seen. Uh, there's a a movement to elect John Scott, vote John Scott in for the All Star game. <laughs> what a fun. Perhaps just for the amusement of watching him as part of a three on three matchup, which I think is is a great format. Is really going to be a fun All Star game, uh, especially if John Scott gets the lumber up and down the ice. Scott, he's going to be exhausted. Can you imagine if he drops the gloves during that? That'd be something else too. <laughs> <laughs> he just might. But yeah, these Coyotes, uh, a very surprising team, 13, 10, and one. You do look, you see a minus three goal differential for the season. Uh, a little bit of uh, a down note for them uh, on that front. Uh, you kind of wonder if if this performance is sustainable. Uh, as they've tended to have distinctly good games and distinctly bad games. Uh, it's been a little bit more good lately, certainly. Mike Smith uh, starting to. See those numbers creep up a little bit, looking a little bit better, though he did just uh, give up four goals, took a loss to Nashville yesterday, as I predicted, if you read the Daily Puck on Rotowire. And you got to tip your hat to Oliver ekman Larson, who might be one of the biggest and well-kept secrets in the NHL. This guy's playing upwards of 25 minutes a game and routinely scores among the leaders in defense scoring. And uh, the, the smart and prudent pool he would have capitalized on the uh, the lack of press that this guy gets and snapped him up. Certainly, he's rewarded me with uh, some great years in the past, and uh, I just wonder if he gets his due night in, night out. And you can almost throw Michael Stone into that mix too, a guy who's rounding into form with nine points and a plus rating, uh, plus three. He's gobbling up 21 minutes of time for them. So if you're looking for defensive help, there's a an elite option and a kind of middle of the road option for you. 
you to pick at there. But uh, certainly Martin Hansel is a big guy in the middle of the ice who's who's performing very well. He's he's uh, had a great relationship with uh, the frontline kids and and is performing very well. Another guy that's below the radar, and that seems to be the story here. A number of guys that we don't see in the press too much, and yet they're they're plugging away. They're being well coached by. There's a Dave Tippett out there still, and and uh, it, it's a fine, fine roster that uh, is the NHL's best kept secret, secret at the moment. Yeah, you look at the uh, especially the defensive core of the Coyotes, and if if you just look down the list, it, it's actually surprising how many relatively high draft picks they have there. You know, sec- they're not a bunch of uh, first overall picks, but you know, second round, third round guys uh, who have been developed very nicely by the Coyotes into legitimate NHL players. Well, and another team that kind of flies below the radar alongside of them uh, is uh, the Minnesota Wild. This is a team, though, that that had hit the skids a little bit, uh, losing six of seven, but they bounced back and they beat a a great Chicago team last night. So I wonder about the profile of this team going forward. Certainly they have Ryan Suter, who is another guy that I put in the secret category, secret superstar category almost. He's leading the team in scoring with 21 points, playing – the most minutes of anybody in the NHL, averaging 28 minutes a game. And the key note here, eight of his points are on the power play with the, with the Wild. And and one of the better playmakers in the league, another guy that I like, is Miko Koivu. That's a 20-point guy, 20 points in 23 games, bouncing back from a bit of a subpar season last year. And then a guy who I stay away with like like uh, as best I can, Thomas Vanek. <laughs> 19 points in 23 games. I say let somebody else pick him. I never will. I don't think he's sustainable, and, and I can't count on a guy like that. So there's some food for thought at both ends of the spectrum for you to chime in on. Absolutely. And I, I think the really the key to the Wild getting things back together uh, is the return to form of Zach Parisi. You know, he missed some time, eight games with a knee injury, uh, came back, was very quiet in his first two games back, no points, just two total shots and a minus two rating. But we saw yesterday, he put four shots on goal, he picked up an assist, he went plus two, he even blocked a few shots, played 442 on the power play. Uh, Parisi's return and return to form, most importantly, I think, will really elevate the Wild moving forward. Uh, but they're going to need to get more consistent play out of Devin Dubnik. Uh, Dubnik has been really uh, the Edmonton version of himself rather than the 2014-15 Minnesota version of himself. And, and they're going to need a... They don't, you know, obviously, you can't expect a guy to put up the kind of sick numbers that he put up last season. That was, a, you know, once in a lifetime, or in the case of him and also Andrew Hammond, uh, twice in a season <laughs> situation. I, I agree with you, Ed. And really, to me, the heart of their success has always been around a no-name defense, the likes of Marco Scandella. Matt Dumba is a, really, a guy that I really like. He's really underperformed so far this year. Maybe that's a guy you take a flyer on in fantasy because I see big things for this guy. In a keeper league, for sure. Yeah, I, I think definitely the guy on this roster that I like long-term, uh, Christian Proline. Uh, the Wild Stendhal. also just called up uh, Mike Riley, uh, very interesting player, uh, yeah. Hobie Baker finalist who ended right. up signing with the Wild, has been uh, with, with the AHL team so far. Hasn't cracked the NHL ice, but called up today. Uh, 22 years old, 9 points in 23 games in the AHL, but 42 last year in 39 for the University of Minnesota. So, so hometown worth, guy, too. Definitely worth a look there. One team that's coming into focus as a bit of an enigma this season, a uh, struggling Tampa franchise. This team represented the Eastern Conference in the Stanley Cup Final. 
but they're sporting a 500 record today, Andrew. There's just a lot, a little bit of noise in the background that I started with Stan Coast, and as there's been a groundswell, there's been a bit, a bit of a distraction here, I'll say. But when you look at some of the other underperformers, Tyler Johnson was the darling of the NHL last year. He's got 11 points in 21 games. Uh, Nikita Kucherov, a lot of people penciled this guy in for 40 goals this year. He had 29 last year. He's got six right now. So there's a bit of a secret. Uh, the secret's out. This team is not scoring like they did last year. Jonathan Drouin, formerly a second overall draft pick, he's got one goal in, in uh, six points in 14 games. The underperformers outnumber the, the uh, guys that are delivering the goods here by miles. And I just wonder... How low can they this team go? Is there a turnaround in store? Was last year a fluke? What's the story in Tampa? I'm I'm surprised. I really I have to admit. Well, here's my theory, and I don't know if it's necessarily valid, but Tyler Johnson, as a for instance, played 103 NHL games last year. Uh, and and you go down the list, Kucherov, uh, right in that same range, uh, played. What was it? He played in 108 NHL games last year. These are guys who have never, never, ever, ever had this kind of a huge workload. Uh, you know, never had to drive through a whole Stanley Cup playoffs like they did last year. And it's 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 exhausting. I think they're experiencing a little bit of a of a year after hangover. If I can take it uh, into a, a com you know a comparison with football, it's like you look at Demarco Murray having a slow season this year with the Eagles uh, after carrying 400 times with Dallas last year. You look at uh, pitchers who, you know, see their, in baseball, who see their workload spike from 150 innings to 220, then they come back and have a, a rough year the year after. Uh, there is a hangover, I think, when you play that much more than you have before. And I think a lot of these wild players are experiencing, and the wild lightning players are experiencing it right now. And, you know, you, had a, you have to throw in the fact that some of them are among the more slightly built players on that roster that you mentioned, Johnson and Kucherov for sure. Absolutely. And so that's a factor as well. But uh, it bears watching the rest of the way because you wonder if there's a turnaround in their f future because teams like Ottawa and Detroit seem to have passed them on, uh, on the power rankings around the league. Um, we'll take a look at another smallish uh, guy in terms of stature. John Klingberg. Is this guy for real? Uh, he's really closed the gap on on uh, Eric Carlson uh, in terms of the top European defenseman in the league, maybe the top defenseman period in the league. He's just in a great situation in Dallas as the point man on, the, on their wicked power play, playing with some of the top offensive pieces that they can throw on a nightly basis. That's also the highest scoring roster in the NHL. So I think that's a great situation for Klingberg. And I believe before the season's out, he's going to really challenge Carlson for all the headlines as the top defenseman in the NHL. What about you, Andrew? Certainly, Klingberg. Not not to take anything away from the the talent that Carlson plays with, because you got to love that Senators top line. Yeah. You have your Turris, your Hoffman, your Stone, but they're still not Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. And so Klingberg has that that advantageous position of being the number one guy uh, behind them, feeding them the puck as they go and make magic happen. Not that he's not making his own magic happen. Uh, certainly, you make your own luck in this league. But I, th I think that Carlson is clearly above Klingberg, especially if you see uh, some of the defensive lapses that you get out of Klingberg here and there. The the Stars do play a very back-and-forth, uh, you know, high-flying style that, that really doesn't necessarily encourage Klingberg to be a two-way defenseman. Uh, so I think Carlson is still clearly uh, a better defender than Klingberg, but obviously uh, in your fantasy league... 
you gotta love what what Klingberg is bringing to the table with 27 points in 25 games, 11 power play points. But you know the Stars. This is a team. If there's any team in the NHL that can't afford a clean, uh, you know, a, a premier player to get hurt, it's the Stars. If they were to lose Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn or even Klingberg, I think it would be crippling to Dallas uh, with the amount that they've leaned on those top few guys. I agree with you there in that assessment. Uh, uh, look for big things from this guy. He's in a great situation. But part of the beauty of fantasy and talk shows like this uh, is around the rumors that we're hearing. And already we're starting to hear trade rumors about some big names. Eric Stahl and Dustin Bufflin are the ones that I'm hearing about most. I don't really understand the talk about Bufflin. I know he's got a big contract uh, situation. They're really deep on, in terms of defensemen. And Winnipeg, maybe he's the most expendable guy. He should command a great return. I'm wondering about possible trade destinations there. And, of course, then we'd look at Calgary. Their captain, Eric Stahl, is being rumored already to be on the move. And uh, teams like Montreal and Nashville are, are the optimal destinations for a guy like that. I wonder if you start to plug into these trade rumors or are you waiting for later in the season for them to turn around? If you think they're uh, interesting enough, why don't you comment on that either way? Yeah, I don't really feel like I'm plugged into the, the trade rumor mill yet. It seems so early for that. But uh, I do think Bufflin would be a wonderful fit for a certain New York Rangers team <laughs> that could... I mean, not that the Rangers are, are devoid of, of you know bodies on the blue line. They certainly have a about as, as you know, solid a crew as you could ask for. But a little bit more of that uh, toughness that Bufflin brings to the table, not to mention the versatility that if you want, you can deploy him out on the wing, where the Rangers uh, aren't necessarily the strongest out on right wing. Uh, presents an interesting uh, situation for, for them if, if that's uh, you know a guy that they would be interested in picking up on an expiring contract. And then we'll, we'll turn, turn our attention to a couple of guys that have uh, risen in their third or fourth year as pros. That's typically when some careers take flight. Uh, in Montreal, Alex Galchenyuk was a guy that they chose, I think, third in the draft about four years ago. And he's uh, pecked away, and they brought him along slowly in a winning environment. This guy has risen through the ranks to the point where now he's definitely a top-six player and verging on almost a point per game. What's his ceiling, Andrew? I think this guy can be a 60- to 70-point player in this league, and and it's a, a role that desperately needs to be filled on a Montreal team that has been traditionally not one of the higher-scoring teams in the league. Yeah, Galchenyuk just had a uh, five-game point streak snapped uh, last night and didn't manage to uh, do anything. Didn't even put a shot on goal against Columbus, so a very rare game for him the first yeah. time in nearly a month that he'd failed to put a shot on net. But, I think, yeah, the, the, the ceiling is sky high for Galchenyuk. This kid uh, could be a superstar of the league uh, within the next couple of years. Uh, he's really progressing well, and the, and the Habs are leaning on him a lot. And, and the fact that he's developed further as an offensive talent has been a big part of why they have been so much better as an offensive unit in general this year. And you can say the same thing about Evgeny Kuznetsov. I remember seeing this guy at the World Juniors a few years ago, Andrew. He was lights out on the ice. It looked like a, a man playing against boys in terms of the level of skill that he showed even back then. He gives the Caps a very nice one-two punch with uh, Backstrom being the other center, of course. And they've taken turns playing with that Ovechkin fellow, and uh, that hasn't hurt the cause either. But Kuznetsov is good enough, I think, to anchor a, another scoring line and he's done just that in the early going this year. And it's another guy that is a key to the great start that Washington's had. And I think he's the real deal and should have been snapped up in all fantasy leagues by now. 
Absolutely, and you you look at the the way that Kuznetsov scores. He ne- it's like he never scores just one point. When he when he's putting it in, he's pouring it on, and that's a that's a really nice attribute to have from a guy. That's right. And then we'll kind of transition to a couple of guys that are headed in the other direction, kind of in, in on the island. The Islanders feature a couple of guys that are going in opposite directions a little bit. Franz Nielsen is a guy that's been unheralded yet. He's been holding on to the role as a second line pivot behind Tavares. While Brock Nelson's stock, I think, has has, has uh, faded a little bit from uh, an outstanding that start that he had last year. He even tailed off in the second half of last season, and yet uh, he still is is touted as a top prospect. Just not somebody that I believe in in the, in the Islanders situation. I'd rather take a chance at a guy who's proven it over and over, and that's why I lean in uh, Nielsen's direction. Uh, do you agree with that assessment, or what do you what's your take on Brock Nelson specifically? I, mean, I think that Nelson. Uh, is is a really nice little player, a guy who has a chance to be, uh, a, you know, a very good player over the course of his career. Uh, you know, we're talking about a guy who scored ten goals on the power play last year. That's no joke. He got uh, most of them in the first two months of the season, though. Absolutely. Right. To my point. Uh, but you know, I'll you see those guys sometimes. You know, they slump in the second half. It was his only his second full NHL season, his first one in a in a you know sort of a prime role. But this year has been a little bit of a disappointment, especially lately. You know, it looked like he was getting things going uh, a little in mid-November. Had a little five-game point streak, had eight points over that span, five goals. Uh, but then he's gone cold again. Uh, last five games, no goals, one assist, minus three rating. So I think it's about consistency with Nelson. Like he's getting the consistent high ice time, but he's not seemingly bringing the same compete level every game. And well, I think that's been a problem for a lot of the Islanders this year. And then, you know, I, I want to bring up this last name as a sell-high opportunity, and I'll tell you why, or our listeners why. Andre Markov, playing with the Montreal Canadiens, a little bit long in the tooth, but still performing, uh, putting up the totals last year. He was uh, around the 50-point mark, if I remember correctly. But his production really tailed off in the second half, and we're starting to see the same tendency a little earlier this season. His production at the start was 9 points, a plus 14 in the first 8 games of the season. Since then... He's got nine points. He's got a minus eight over 19 games. We're seeing some serious slippage there. I wonder if it's the tip of the iceberg, but I remember last season watching a lot of Montreal Canadiens games, and particularly in the defensive zone, he resembled something that turnstile in the second half of the year, Andrew. And I wonder if we're starting to see an early indication that 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 may be happening again for one of Montreal's premier uh, defensemen in the last 20 years. Yeah, I think if you look at all those minus ratings he's been putting up lately, uh, we might have already missed the window to to really sell high on Markov back when he was averaging uh, about a point per game. Uh, but still, yeah, I think you can still get something back for him. And and I agree with you. I think it's a really good time. You know, you see a guy with an advanced age like that, try to uh, try to sell him high as high as you can, and and get a, a guy with uh, some younger legs who can uh, be a little bit more responsible in his own zone. Because, yeah, you're right, Markov is... Uh, turnstile was, was you know, a, a nice way of putting it. <laughs> well, and one guy who I won't be selling high is the, the feature of my stud of the week. Uh, Andrew, I know you're pretty passionate about the rant, so I'm going to defer to you there. But in terms of the stud of the week, I look at what's going on in Pittsburgh. They're, they're a much maligned offense that's been underperforming except for one guy, and that's Evgeny Malkin who's been producing like he always does. He's got eight point, eight goals, four assists in his last eight games, and some of those goals have been highlight reel variety that are getting a workout on YouTube. Uh, I've seen them all, and just the guy is playing lights out right now, and he's making Phil Kessel a very happy guy on the wing 
after that failed experiment on the first line. He's easily been the most consistent of the uh, Penguins' core core group that's very highly paid, while guys like Kessel and Crosby have been inconsistent, though Crosby's starting to find his range too, playing with his more routine, uh, more regular line mates. I think the Penguins' supporters would sh should shudder to think where their club would be without Malkin's performing this performance this season, and that's why I give him my stud of the week uh, reference this week. But uh, I'm, as I said, I'm deferring to you on the rant. Take it away, Andrew. We talked about Derek Stepan earlier. You look at this guy. It's going to be out four to six weeks on what I think we can all say pretty clearly was a late hit from Matt Bolesky of the Bruins. So what does what happens here uh, to Bolesky? Nothing. No suspension. He got a, a five-minute penalty in that game. Uh, and then he just uh, roll on. The, the Rangers are going to be without Stepan four to six weeks. And this is, to me, part of uh, a really consistent and, and, frankly, I think misguided tendency in the NHL's Punishment Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to really... The only time that guys seem to get suspended for injuring other players is if they make them suffer a head or neck injury. If it's not a head or a neck injury, no matter how egregious the hit, no matter what they did, there's never a suspension. And it's ridiculous because, you know, the head and the neck are very important, and I think that they should be protected, of course. But the rest of the body is pretty important, too. And any time a team is without a player for any period of time, regardless of the nature of the injury, it's going to be harmful to them. Uh, you know, especially when it's a guy like Derek Stepan, uh, the top-line center of, you know, my New York Rangers. Uh, I don't understand how you don't hand out suspensions to guys for being reckless and causing injury to others just because it wasn't a head injury. And uh, that's my rant of the week. Uh, <laughs> NHL, please suspend Matt Bolesky. The end. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I'll add is uh, we went off on... Uh, I went off on uh, Rafi Torres' hit that cost him 41 games. The guy that he hit is back in the league, has been playing for the last month. So that just underscores the level of inconsistency that you highlighted, and I think that was very well said. But uh, we, have a, we have a public service announcement this week to, the, to add to our podcast too, Andrew. That's right. If you've been enjoying our podcast, you might want to know that Rotowire puts out a whole raft of other podcasts in every sport, from the pros to college from soccer to golf. Head on down to rotowire.com slash pod. Get a free 10-day subscription to Rotowire. You can read our articles, read our updates, check out our other podcasts. I can't endorse it strongly enough. I use my Rotowire subscription every single day. There are a series of great products under the Rotowire flag, uh, uh, Andrew, and I'm, I share your pride in, in being affiliated with this organization, one of the leaders in the whole fantasy industry, and I, I second your invitation. Well, that wraps up episode number nine of the great ones, Rotowire's premier hockey podcast. I'll premier say. and only. Premier and only hockey podcast. <laughs> it's going to be one out of one anyway, ranking uh, first overall. For Andrew Fiorentino, I am Paul Bruno, thanking you for giving us a listen and inviting you to come back and catch the next episode of our show next Tuesday. So long, everybody.
This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.